Are we recording? I think we're live. What's up, friends? Your boy Moog coming at you with the Mog Farts podcast. It is 8.49 a.m. on Sunday, March 6th, 2022. I know you got important things to do, but this is a long format show. So I'm going to timestamp it, give you the date and everything, because I think that's important. My old boss, Michael C. Rupert, taught me that a long time ago. If you're going to say something, you're going to broadcast something, you might as well put the date and time right at the beginning. Seems reasonable, right? We got a big show today. Thanks for tuning in. I'm broadcasting here on the B Live. They got all this obnoxious propaganda, yellow and blue branding going on. They're telling me how I can... Stop Russian aggression by adding a widget to my broadcast. I will not be doing that today. So you all know I'm simultaneously going live on TikTok while uh, recording the show today. And we got a lot of viewers there. 5.1 thousand likes. It says there's only 21 people in the stream. But there's over 5,000 likes on the live stream so far. So everybody on TikTok, thanks for tuning in. This podcast is going up all over the internet real soon. Let's start it off with a look at my Facebook wall. You know, I love sharing memes, articles that resonate with me. Big news out of the Seattle Times. Truckers protesting COVID mandates are amassing outside Washington, D.C. As we speak, there's a trucker convoy staged up at a raceway, you know, like a racetrack for cars outside D.C., Okay, that's cool. Hagerstown, Maryland. Over a thousand vehicles taking part in the convoy. I hear we'll see what happens there. See if they go shut down DC. Sounds like a good idea to me. Of course, the COVID narrative completely fell apart. So they're spinning it out like we're all, you know, like, oh, the next boogeyman, the next big thing to be afraid of is Russia. Caitlin Johnstone, if you don't follow her work, Brilliant Australian letting us know the Overton window is being shoved towards warmongering extremism. We're going to read an excerpt from that today. Got a great little quote from George Carlin up there. Nice meme. Great little George Carlin quote. You can always go back to Carlin for a little insight and wisdom. George says, I've got this real moronic thing I do. It's called thinking. And I'm not a very good American because I like to form my own opinions. I have certain rules I live by. My first rule, I don't believe anything the government tells me. Nothing. Zero. And I don't take very seriously the media or the press in this country. Thank you, George. Thank you, George. Interestingly, you know, Kid Rock, never been a big Kid Rock fan. That's just me. Although I do like his song, uh, what's the, that auto-tune? Something, you know, I hate auto-tune, but there's that one Kid Rock song from one of his old albums from the 90s that gets me going. What's that one called? So he goes, I've been sitting here trying to find my, that one gets me going. Anyway, Kid Rock put out a anti-COVID restriction, anti-lockdown, anti-vaccine mandate anthem recently. 
And he's chiming in on uh, the Ukraine situation, too. And he says, how I know Zelensky is not a good guy. How I know President Volodymyr Zelensky is not a good guy slash hero. These are the people who came out in support of him. George Soros, Hillary Clinton, Pope Francis, Joe Biden, George W. Bush, CNN, MSN, Fox News, Barack Obama, Lindsey Glam, Adam Kinzinger, Eric Solwell, Nancy Pelosi, Justin Trudeau, etc. My buddy Aiden Buck, who just became a supporter of the show. Aiden, thank you so much. You're my fourth paid subscriber to the Mog Farts podcast. Uh, Aiden was kind enough to share an excellent link to uh, a consortium news article, How Zelensky Made Peace with Neo-Nazis. We're covering that in the show today. But back to the Facebook memes. That one, self-explanatory. This one I thought was pretty good. Just a little logic, common sense interjected into the COVID situation. You say you have science and data to support your position. I say I have science and data to support my position. Let's just agree to live and let live then, right? The problem, however, is that your position says all must comply. And my position says all must have a choice. That's what it really boils down to. You know, we can argue statistics and data and treatments and particulars about anything. COVID, a great example. You know, there can be this lively debate about, uh, you know, oh, is this is this true or is this true? Blah, blah, blah. But the bottom line is when you break it down, when you get down to brass tacks, should people have a choice or should people be controlled by big government, big pharma, big media, big education, big oil, big bankster, big greenwash business and so forth? I think people should have a choice. Another fun meme uh, shows a couple red pills. If you're just uh, listening. Shows your classic Red Bull, like from the 1999 prophetic movie, The Matrix. It says Red Pill 2018 daily oral. And then it shows this huge red, uh, looks like a, like a giant water tank or something that's red with ribs on it. And it's strapped to the back of a semi truck. And it says 2022 dry suppository with ridges. That really, that's how it be. That really is how it be, isn't it? Uh, you can only live a, a lie so long. Another funny, funny meme for all you dog lovers out there. Shows two dogs sitting on the hardwood floor looking guilty, looking worried. <laughs> and, the, and the caption says, we're glad you're home. The Russians took a shit in the hallway. <laughs> Cracks me up. The God, God bless the meme makers of the world. I've made a few memes in my day, but uh, some of these folks, man, they just put out bangers. Um, another good one, it shows Ron Swan. I think it's Ron Swanson, and he's uh, talking to some guy, and the guy's saying, if you disagree with me, you must support the Russian invasion. And Ron replies, I'm more anti-war than you. Yeah, war, so stupid. When you think about all the ways humans have harmed each other and destroyed this beautiful life-giving planet we live on war is the dumbest shit the dumbest shit 
here in the U.S., I think the military budget they passed in December was $970 billion annually. I just watched a video on TikTok this morning where a guy broke it down to what it works out to by the by the week, by the day, by the hour, by the minute. And it's something like $2 million a minute on defense, a.k.a. war. So stupid. Another good little meme here. Divine Bella. She got a cute dog. She says, we're not calling Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, etc. oligarchs because why? It's a good point. Good point. Dun, dun, dun. What else we got here? Uh, here's a good one. A little South Park meme shows uh, Stan's dad. Is it Stan the dad? I don't know. I don't watch South Park too much, but it shows one of the dads from South Park wearing a mask in a crowd. Towley's there next to him. And listening, the, the, the text says, listening to people say we should go fight the Russians. The same people that told us we should stay home the last two years for the flu. <laughs> then there's that meme of that guy uh, shooting. He's uh, shooting some guy in a chair and it says USA, Syria, Somalia, Vietnam, Iraq, Korea, Afghanistan, Iran, Yugoslavia, Laos, Libya, Cambodia, should probably add Yemen to that list as well. And then he turns around and faces the camera and asks, why is Russia so aggressive? Isn't it funny how people, they just assume that the, you know, we're the, we're the good guys. They're the bad guys. And we gotta, we gotta, you know, Oh, we gotta spend hundreds of billions of dollars annually, uh, attacking people in other countries. It's absurd absolutely utterly absurd there's no justification for war ever if somebody was like actively invading your country and enslaving people then yeah i can see that but uh aggressive wars overseas nah nah i've been working on a, a project lately building this uh snowmobile trailer i think it's kind of fun i want to play this one for you just so you all know anybody tuning in Oh, she's coming together. She's coming together. Skis mounted up. Pretty well, Back skis are front skis. I'm still figuring out exactly how far forward I want to go with those off the nose of this snowmobile cargo camper slash greenhouse. It's a hoop house with cattle panel. Part four. She's really coming together. Got the skis glued to the little <sighs> sledges yesterday. Yep. Got the fiberglass reinforced plastic glued up. This worked out pretty good right Sorry, here, TikTok. putting the sidewall on. There's a video playing. And now I just got those braces in podcast. there to make sure you that when it dries. got to tune into the podcast if you want to hear it. That glue dries with a perfectly square. So I think I'm going to go for a ski, let this thing dry. I hope you all have a lovely day. Get some. Take care. Peace. So yeah, I've been building this uh, little... It's going to be a greenhouse in the summer. I'm really excited about it. You know, it's so fun when you get inspired to create something, isn't it? But it's basically a uh, cargo trailer slash camper that you can tow behind a snowmobile and uh, go way up into the mountains, go backcountry ski for a couple days, go explore, you know, get off the grid, get away from the Wi-Fi and the 5G and the... Decepticons in the corporate media 
social media and all the rest of it. Just let all that shit fly by for a few days. So I'm really excited about that. You know, I can't stress it enough how important it is to create. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in all the craziness in the world. It's so easy to get caught up in the big picture. But in reality, we all have a sphere of influence we can operate within, right? Like, I know that my videos, this podcast, this live stream on TikTok I'm doing, right, aren't going to go super viral. They're not going to reach a lot of people, but they are going to reach some people and the right people. And those people are within my sphere of influence. I can have a positive impact on their life or I could have a negative impact on their life. I could be spreading fear, anxiety, guilt, shame, deception, misinformation. But instead, I'm choosing to share love, creativity, awareness, positivity, uh, humor. I might not be that funny, but I'm, I'm trying to get people laughing, get people smiling. So, uh, yeah, create something. And, you know, it's cool when you, with creativity and effort like that, when you create something, you just become more creative. It's like when you when you draw something, you you'll figure out a new technique, and the next time you draw something, it'll you know you'll have more to work with. You'll have more muscle memory built up. You'll have more connections in your brain for drawing or painting or singing or making music. You know, making beats, um, playing an instrument, playing with power tools, building something, whatever it is. Writing, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And the more inspiration comes bubbling up out of the, you know, the depths of your consciousness. Beautiful. So create something. Dun, dun, dun. More meme image. That one I should probably cover in the show today. Fee.org, a 75-year-old warning about those who say, listen to science. When people say, follow the science, often what they're really saying is, follow our plan. We'll throw that in there. That's about enough Facebook memeology for the day. Oh, here's another good one. It's uh, Saruman, the wizard from Lord of the Rings, the evil white wizard, the Gandalf does battle with the guy that joined with Sauron and threatened the entirety of. Hey, calm yourself. Sorry, dog's growling at me. Uh, and it says, uh, <laughs> the people who've been saying, if it saves one life for the last two years, shows Sauron looking crazy, or Saruman, the white evil wizard looking crazy as all get out saying, to war. <laughs> war is stupid. Rodney Wallman, good guy here on TikTok. This one, he's talking about operating within your sphere of influence. Thanks for your insights, Rodney. I'll probably look quite a bit like Rodney when I get up there in the years a little more. I can only hope so. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Enough memeology. You can follow me on Facebook. Again, anti-COVID controls protest convoy gathers on outskirts of Washington, D.C. Coming from The Guardian, published yesterday by Reuters. More than a 1,000 vehicles in the so-called People's Convoy gather at Speedway, though exact plans are unclear. So we'll keep following that and see what happens. 
I encourage people keep standing up. You know, there's there's so many ways we can make a difference. You know, maybe protesting isn't right for you, but you can, you know, you can get off the grid, get out of the system, escape from tax slavery and figure out a way to uh, make a living and have a positive impact on people's lives outside of the bullshit. You could do that. Uh, Seattle Times covering that as well. Um, there's a demonstration, a similar thing, trucker convoy in Olympia. Opponents to restriction, restrictions intended to curb the spread of COVID-19 rallied at the state capitol uh, yesterday, Saturday. Yeah, Sunday. Uh, calling on attendees to remain politically active in hopes of electing more conservative lawmakers. The Washington State Patrol estimated that about 700 people showed up for the demonstration called Government Resistance Impedes Tyranny. Okay, that's a great acronym right there. GRIT. The GRIT protest out there in Washington State. Kudos to everybody that took part in that. Thank you so much. COVID-19 restrictions going to the wayside all over the world. Wall Street Journal reporting uh, today. Restaurants debate masks as COVID-19 rules rapidly disappear. Here's a tip to any business owners out there. It's not your job to save lives or protect people from COVID. If you want to be a successful business, you probably shouldn't alienate a large chunk of your potential patrons by forcing them to wear masks, by forcing your workers to wear masks, and certainly not by carrying the water for the great reset globalist cocksuckers pushing uh, that great reset agenda via their vaccine passports. Okay. Vaccine passports, social credit systems, uh, modern day segregation based on people's health status. Like get the fuck out of here, open up the world, quit playing games. You know, you got a business, you got a bar, you got a restaurant, you got a store, why don't you just focus on uh, serving your customers and trying to turn a profit instead of virtue signaling and carrying the water for the globalist elite psychopaths? BBC News reporting 21 hours ago, COVID in Scotland. Unvaccinated women can resume in vitro fertilization treatment. I didn't even know they had stopped that. But how crazy is that? Talking about modern day segregation, that they can withhold medical care for people based on whether or not they chose to inject themselves with a big pharma product that has kind of proven to be neither safe nor effective as evidenced by the Pfizer document dump recently. Good news from Newsweek. NFL suspends all COVID protocols published on Thursday. New York City is lifting the vaccine checks. New York City Mayor Eric Adams lifted restaurant vaccine checks, saying the article says some owners might keep them anyway. Yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with that. Okay. You're on the wrong side of history if you think people need to be injected with a big pharma cocktail of COVIDiacy in order to sit down and eat at your restaurant or have a drink at your bar. Uh, your business is not going to do well. 
New York City rolls back its COVID restrictions again, coming from CBS. You know, don't trust the corporate media, but just uh, covering what's going on and published on the 4th. So on Friday, California retools its fight against COVID pledging equity. Until this week, blah, blah, blah. With state and federal officials loosening guidelines and requirements in the past week, workers and industries throughout the state won't be required to wear masks indoors anymore. Thank God for that. Like it's such a disturbing kind of Hunger Games, uh, Handmaiden's Tale society, where you got you, know, you got restaurants where the waitress and the waiter, the bartender, the busboy, are forced to wear a mask while everybody that's a customer, you know, anybody who's making money, has to wear a fucking mask. Well, anybody who's got money to spend is allowed to breathe freely. Okay, we all know that these masks don't stop viruses. We all know they do inhibit proper respiration. Recently, I flew and uh, you know, I didn't wear a mask in the airport, but in order to get on the fucking plane, I was like, eh, I'll put a mask on. And I'd, so I'd wear a mask for like the first couple minutes of the flight and then kind of put my head down, pull the mask down and no one bothered me. But uh Man, just wearing a mask for, you know, five, ten minutes, like, doesn't feel good. It is not healthy. I saw a meme a while ago now. It's like limiting your supply of oxygen for two years is a lot worse than fighting a flu-like illness for a week or two. And ain't that the truth? Of course, there's still blatant propaganda, still people pushing these not neither safe nor effective injections on people. HuffPost parenting asking, why can't kids just get bigger doses of the COVID vaccine? Data shows the shots were less effective in preventing infection in 5 to 11 yards during Omicron. Here's what parents need to know. Parents should know that you shouldn't inject your kids with experimental, sketchy, big pharma products pushed by warmongering governments, power-hungry warmongering governments, and profit-driven corporate interests because your kid literally has a 0% chance of dying from COVID. Yeah. But they're still pushing it. ABC News telling us ivermectin is still easily accessible through telemedicine, although it is unproven against COVID-19, according to ABC News. Uh, yeah, whatever you say. A lot of people have been speaking about effective, safe, effective, affordable, at home, early. Again, affordable, inexpensive treatments for COVID for a long time. And they still pretend that shit doesn't matter. Beijing, coming from the South China Morning Post, Coronavirus, Beijing ramps up response to Hong Kong's raging fifth wave. Okay, they're still pushing the COVID fear porn in some parts of the world. Although it seems like Omicron may have been uh, a gift to humanity, pushing herd immunity. They can't deny herd immunity anymore. And most people seem not to have a negative impact to Omicron. Although we can't let our guard down. You know, I have to say, for a long time, I haven't, you know, since the get-go, since the get-go of COVID, I knew that there was a lot of monkey business going on, a lot of bullshit. 
I knew the masks were bullshit. The lockdowns were going to cause way more problems than they solved and so on and so forth. You know, early on, I think it, whatever y'all know, we could talk about fucking COVID all day long, but now that they're rolling everything back, makes me more concerned that potentially I'm just speculating. I'm not making a prediction, but it makes me concerned that they could unleash, you know, COVID was a bioweapon. They could unleash a much worse, much deadlier, much more dangerous, much more destructive bioweapon. We all know that those things exist and use that to push us back into a state of fear you know, further the depopulation agenda. It's been going on for a long time. Further the Great Reset agenda by, uh, and, you know, put us back into lockdowns and masks and all the bullshit by unleashing something far worse than the original pandemic. Coming from The Guardian, published uh, yesterday, COVID pandemic sparks steep rise in the number of people in the UK with long-term illness. Figures have soared by 1.2 million in two years. Of course, they're going to blame long COVID for this. More than a third. This is fucked up. Listen to this shit. More than a third of working age people in the UK now suffer from a long-term illness with new figures showing a dramatic rise since the pandemic began. Post-COVID conditions, including long COVID, breathing difficulties, and mental health problems are among the causes, according to disability charities and health campaigners. An observer analysis of the Office for National Statistics Labor Market Status of Disabled People figures shows that nearly 14.2 million people in the UK aged 16 to 64 said they had a health condition lasting for at least 12 months in 2021, a rise of 1.2 million during the two years of the pandemic. Levels of long-term ill health have been rising more slowly before the emergence of COVID at an annual average of about 275,000 cases a year between 2014 and 2018. But the rapid increase over the last two years highlights the health problems facing the UK, says the disability charity Scope. About 800,000 more people suffered from mental health problems in 2020-21 than did so in 2018-19, Scope said. And the number of adults with chest and breathing problems, excuse me, has grown by about 570,000 over the same period. Let's soak that in for a second. I got to I gotta hit the restroom real quick. This is a long format show. So just bear with me. Uh, read, uh, you know, read the next couple paragraphs if you want to. They're talking about long COVID, but in the back of my mind, and probably in your mind too, I believe that the... Uh, injections and of course the lockdowns the stress the fear the anxiety but especially those injections perhaps unnatural electromagnetic frequencies as well are contributing to this rapid increase in long-term illness in the uk i'll be right back stay tuned hey puppy dogs hey puppy dog i know yeah you're bored i know you're bored we're gonna go skiing we're gonna go skiing <clears throat> 
We're going skiing. We're going skiing. All right, I'm back. Thank you for your patience with me there. But yeah, long-term illness on the rise. You know, if I was a betting man, I would say that part of the reason they are rolling back all the COVID measures is because the goal of COVID was to get people jabbed up. And they got everybody jabbed up that they could get jabbed up. You know, anybody that didn't take the bait, didn't acquiesce to the injections over the course of the extended push is not going to do so. They got as many people jabbed up as they could. And, you know, your body, your choice. That's my opinion. But I personally will not be letting corrupt, warmongering governments lying, corrupt corporate media, and profit-driven pharmaceutical companies and, you know, the whole medical insurance pharmaceutical cartel that has a monopoly on so-called healthcare in this country, I will not be letting them make my medical decisions for me, especially when you consider that the medical insurance pharmaceutical cartel complex profits off of sick people. They don't want Americans to be well, do they? No, they don't. Uh, Caitlin Johnstone, if you don't follow her work, I strongly recommend you do. Spotify purges dissident voices in latest censorship escalation. Uh, they took down Lee Camp's Moment of Clarity off Spotify. Mogfar's podcast is up there on Spotify, but I don't hardly get any views uh, over there, over on anchor.fm by Spotify. Seven, seven, uh, Mog fart so far. I've only had 49 all time plays. So I'm going to, you know, keep posting it there, but I don't think we're going to build up too big of an audience over there on Spotify. But shout out to Lee Camp. You know, I interviewed Lee back in 2018. Had a kind of crazy experience recently with a, a woman. I f forget who it was exactly, but somebody who, you know, has followed my work on Facebook for a while and will share memes and links with me pretty regularly. She was convinced that I had recently, you know, it's like sort of some Mandela effect shit. She was convinced that I had done a recent live stream interview with Lee, like maybe a, a week ago or 10 days ago. She was convinced that she had seen an interview, like a live stream interview that Lee and I had done about the Ukraine situation. And she reached out to me and said, you know, why did you take down that video? I was like, oh, what, oh, you know, what video are you talking about? I sent her a link to my latest podcast. She's like, no, the, the live interview you did with Lee Camp. I said, well, I, you know, last time I talked to Lee, last time I interviewed Lee was like three, four or five years ago. So, but she was utterly convinced that there was some recent live stream interview I'd done with Lee and it was, it was, it was weird, you know, cause, um, yeah, I don't know. You know, maybe she would just had it. Maybe she fell asleep and like dreamed it up, but, uh, she sure seemed convinced. So maybe alternative reality, uh, Mandela effect, you know, who knows how the whole universe works. It's kind of crazy. One thing I do know though, in this world we live in today, 
they got it set up so you need money. They got it set up so we're so dependent on money to get by, which is why I'm very pleased to announce I got another paid subscriber over there at realmacmogren.substack.com. My old friend Aiden Buck joined up, pledging a hundred bucks for the year. Aiden, thank you so much for joining my three other paid subscribers there. You know, the more people I can get to support my work, the more I'm gonna, the more of my time and energy. I'm going to devote to doing this work. So if you enjoy the Mogfarts podcast or my writing, uh, consider going over there to my Substack and, and subscribing. You know, I'm not trying to get rich doing this, but you know, if I could make uh, what there's a lot of people. There's like what seven, eight billion people in the world. If I could get a thousand subscribers at a hundred bucks a year, that's a hundred thousand dollars a year. I would, I would hire an assistant. And I would be doing podcasts every day, devoting, you know, a full work day every day if I could make a living at it. Absolutely. So there's a thousand of you out there that got a hundred bucks you can pony up. Uh, that would turn me into a full time podcaster, truth teller, fighting the forces of evil on this planet. I wouldn't be, I'd still be building out camper vans and, doing handyman work and, you know, doing all my little side hustles, trying to make, make ends meet. Well, I guess I wouldn't have to, would I? No, I wouldn't. Uh, so if you're out there, you know, you want to support independent media, uh, please uh, do that. Another great one from Caitlin Johnstone. Is this Russian propaganda notes from the edge of the narrative matrix? You know, I encourage people to subscribe to Caitlin's work. Uh, she puts out an article almost every day. It's always super thought-provoking and interesting. This woman can really break shit down. I think this is a pretty good uh, point here. You know, she is so incisive and insightful. Remember when U.S. officials kept saying, we're not trying to start a war, we're trying to prevent one, while refusing to make reasonable, low-cost concessions, which would have prevented a war then, when war started, launched operations, which serve the long-term goals of U.S. hegemony. Russia gets control of Kiev with this war, while the U.S. gets international consensus for unprecedented economic warfare and support for NATO, plus giving Moscow another Afghanistan. Okay, we all know back in the 80s before the Soviet Union fell, the U.S. empire was funding, supporting Al-Qaeda. Right, they were funding and supporting uh, the Taliban, Osama bin Laden's group of rebel fighters in Afghanistan, and they call Afghanistan the graveyard of empire empires for a good reason because people, you know, Afghanistan, very strategically located, incredible mountainous country with a lot of mineral wealth and uh, very warlike and proud people there. The Russians got booted out of Afghanistan. They, they, you know, depleted their treasury. They depleted their economy, fighting a prolonged war in Afghanistan. And the U.S. just did the same shit, didn't they? 20 years, 20 years of the war of terror in Afghanistan. What do we have to show for it? Nothing, less than nothing. Um, 
but yeah, Moscow gets another Afghanistan, you know, in a metaphorical sense where they're mired in a endless conflict. Of course, it's important to note as Caitlin does here, NATO powers could have prevented this war, but chose to egg it on instead. Looks like a classic sacrifice a pawn to get the queen move. Caitlin Johnson always gets me thinking. Uh, brilliant, 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 brilliant woman. Thank you for your insights, Miss Johnstone. Another good one from Caitlin. The Overton windows being shoved toward war-mongering extremism. Basically taking the narrative and pushing it, uh, pushing it to the point where, um, you know, anybody that says "man, war is just stupid" is completely out of the uh, the debate. Now, a quote from Caitlin. Now, theoretically, the actual decision makers of the imperial war machine know better than to initiate a hot war with Russia because it would likely lead to an unthinkable chain of events in which everyone loses. But what these insane, what these insane, strange, lovey and calls for nuclear army and Armageddon do, even if they never come to fruition, is push the acceptable spectrum of debate far toward the most hawkish extremes possible. When you've got the hawks screaming that Putin is Hitler and calling for airstrikes on the Russian military, while the doves are using extremely mitigated both sides, both sides language and taking great pains to forcefully condemn Putin to avoid being shouted down and censored, what you wind up with is a spectrum of debate that has been pulled so far toward insanity that the moderate position becomes support, you know, the, the so-called moderate position becomes support for unprecedented acts of economic warfare and funding a brutal insurgency in Ukraine. As a result, advocating for Western powers to initiate de-escalation, diplomacy, and detente becomes an extremist position comparable to or worse than advocating for hot war with a nuclear superpower. In reality, it's the obvious moderate sane position on the table. But taking that position unequivocally would be disastrous for the career of any mainstream politician or pundit in today's environment because the spectrum of debate has been pulled so far toward hawkish brinksmanship. Noam Chomsky outlined this problem clearly when he said, the smart way to keep people passive and obedient is to strictly limit the spectrum of acceptable opinion, but allow very lively debate within that spectrum even encourage the more critical and dissident views. That gives people the sense that there's free thinking going on, while all the time the presuppositions of the system are being reinforced by the limits put on the range of the debate. Think about that. Profound thoughts there from Caitlin Johnstone. Again, thank you. Thank you, Ms. Johnstone. Um... How Zelensky made peace with neo-Nazis published at Consortium News on March 4th. While Western media deploys Zelensky's heritage to refute accusations of neo-Nazis in Ukraine, the president now depends on them as frontline fighters in the war with Russia, report Alex Rubenstein and Max Blumenthal from, from the Gray Zone. Gotta love those guys. Uh, thank you, Max and Alex, for your impeccable journalism at this time. I'm not going to read you that whole one, but, uh, you know, if you haven't followed the Ukraine situation, basically in 2014, there was a coup. The U.S. supported 
uh, party with ties to neo-Nazism, put him in power, pretended it was a democratic election when it was about as rigged as the elections are here in the USA. And uh, here we are, uh, eight years later. Wall Street Journal letting us know uh, two days ago, or you know, yesterday, Saturday, U.S. fears it could be too, or excuse me, excuse me, Europe fears it could be too late to shake off Russian gas addiction. A decades-long reliance on Moscow's energy has left Europe unprepared if taps are turned off. Here's a thought. Let's just stop fighting wars. Let's just stop with all the economic sanctions and bullshit. Let's just let a free market operate here on planet Earth. Somebody's got a product, let them sell it. Let them price it in their own currency. Let them choose what they want to sell it for. What a novel concept. A free market. Yeah, that'd be so simple. You know, it's important to note the um, they're not going to shut off Russian gas completely. Maybe, they, you know, maybe they will temporarily, but it'll be back. It'll be back. Of course, in the midst of all this, DW, Made for Minds, DW.com, the Great Reset, lingering, spreading around the planet. It's important to note if, you know, the prices of energy go up, the prices of everything go up. When the price of energy goes up, the price of food goes up. The only thing that doesn't go up when uh, the price of energy goes up is the the value of human labor, right? Your wages aren't going to go up because the price of energy went up. But everything else, especially food, you know, food, shelter, electricity, liquid fuels, the price of all the things that we really depend on to get by go up. And that has a disproportionately negative impact on people that don't have a lot of money. Of course, you could be a millionaire, multimillionaire, or billionaire. And if it costs you an extra 50 bucks to fill your gas tank every week, no big deal. You know, no big deal. But if you're working for minimum wage, you know, let's say you're a single parent working multiple jobs, barely squeaking by, and all of a sudden the price of electricity and fuel and food doubles, well, you're fairly well fucked disproportionately affecting the poor. But these guys are asking, will war fast-track the energy transition? The sudden push to reduce Europe's dependence on Russian gas and oil could trigger a paradigm shift to clean energy forces, sources that might be quickly scaled up. And I'm all for getting off of coal and oil and so forth. We should release uh, suppressed energy technologies. Stuff like, uh, you know, guys like Nikola Tesla and Bedini. People have been working on uh, all sorts of ways to generate uh, power to harness energy without pollution, without uh, using up uh, non-renewable resources. But uh, within that noble sentiment, there is the, the greenwashed agenda. And I think that's important. You know, we've been told this whole climate climate change thing uh for a long time they've been pushing climate change the climate change agenda environmentalism hijacked by the co2 centric climate change alarmists okay 
there are a lot of environmental problems that we as a species face. And I, in my opinion, CO2, something that's non-toxic and literally is plant food is the least of our concerns compared to, you know, toxic chemicals, carcinogenic chemicals, uh, polluted groundwater, um, you know, deforestation, airborne particulates, weather modification. That's a big one. There are so many environmental factors, right? Glyphosate and other neonicotinoid pesticides that are so bad for people being sprayed on our food supply, genetically modified foods. There's really no sane reason for the push to genetically modify the food we eat. So many environmental factors, yet they only focus the mainstream, the people that, you know, pretend to be so concerned about environmental issues. They only focus on greenhouse gases, which is fucking absurd. It's fucking absurd. Case in point, you know, Reuters telling us how climate change and COVID are looming over the Iditarod. Um, da -da -da. Corporate greenwashing published yesterday by Khaled Diab. Why do corporations greenwash? Well, because there's, you know, it looks good. It's called public relations. That's why Khaled. And it aligns them with the Great Reset Agenda, which is similar to the UN Agenda 21, similar to UN Agenda 2030, basically pushing for more centralized control of the planet and depopulation of those pesky pesky humans that the owners of the planet don't really need so much anymore why because they got artificial intelligence they got robotics they got machines they don't need as many people you know what does a corporation do when they need less people they fire them what does a civilization do when it decides that it needs less workers you know, they get rid of people and part of that is this greenwashing in the corporate world where they make it out like they're doing something so noble and so environmentally responsible by jacking up the cost of living across the board, disproportionately negatively affecting working class people and consolidating profit and power in the hands of fewer and fewer people. That's why they greenwash. This fee story, this is from 2021, but uh, this one's worth reading. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but a 75-year-old warning about those who say, listen to science. When people say, follow the science, often what they're really saying is, follow our plan. And if you're just listening, the image at the header of this article is this creepy reptilian-looking motherfucker, Bill Gates, looking especially smug and conniving. Don't trust them. Don't trust them, my friend. Yeah, it's good reading. This is a, a 75-year-old warning from the economist Ludwig von Mises once observed the problem with using scientific claims to shape the modern world. He suggested that in many cases, people invoke science simply to tell people what they must do. The planners pretend that their plans are scientific and that there cannot be disagreement with regard to them among well-intentioned and decent people, Mises wrote in his 1947 essay, Planned 
chaos. A lot of planned chaos out there, right? Crashing economies, waging wars, weather weaponry. If you don't believe me on uh, the weather being weaponized, head on over to weathermodificationhistory.com where my dear friends Dominique Marama and Jim Lee have put together a heck of a resource. My favorite thing is, you know, you, I love looking at old magazines, old newspapers, old books. And they went through the painstaking process of digitizing, you know, researching and digitizing all these old articles from mainstream sources like Popular Science and The Telegraph and um, newspapers and magazines of all sorts all over the world, government documents going back well over a hundred years. I'm scrolling through it right now. And you can see, uh, you know, back in 1947, Rainmaker blamed for Sydney's wet summer. You know, the big floods in Australia. Well, there's big floods in Australia now. It's not the first time. Back in 1947, they were blaming a Rainmaker for some floods there. Um, the Ludington Daily News, 1948. Use of weather as war weapons studied by the U.S. Okay, that's the 1940s shortly after world war ii operation paperclip they brought a bunch of nazi scientists over here founded nasa got the uh, ball rolling on a push for global weather control and nowadays you know you don't see you don't hear anything about that in corporate media you don't hear much about that in academia either um but in actual reality in the real world this shit's been going on for a long time. Long, long time. Here, look at this. Victoria Advocate, July 1st, 1954. This is a eight, <clears throat> written by AP science reporter Frank Carey. So this is an AP report. Associated Prostitutes, 1954. Weather control in Russia might be possible by U.S. It may, be, it may someday be possible to cause torrents of rain over Russia by seeding clouds moving toward the Soviet Union. Or it may be possible, if an opposite effect is desired, to cause destructive droughts, which would dry up food crops by overseeding those same clouds. The possibility such a spectacular device as this might be used in some future total war should not be discounted, according to the man who heads a group set up by Congress to advise it on the chances for success of plans to control the weather. Captain Howard Orville, U.S. Navy retired, who's charted the weather for Doolittle's raid on Tokyo and helped prepare the forecast for the North African and Normandy invasions, is chairman of an 11-member advisory committee charged by Congress with seeing that current efforts at rainmaking and rain suppression don't get out of hand. Well, if that's what was going on back in 1954, I think it's safe to assume that things have, in fact, gotten out of hand. And if we're going to have a truly scientific discussion about the weather and the climate and the changes, the climate and weather, the changes of the climate and the weather, I think we can't discount the impact of weather modification. 
I got what's up with that up here. You know, if you if you want to expand your scientific literacy, there aren't too many folks talking about weather modification, but there are a lot of folks uh, out there poking holes in the CO2 centric uh, view of climate change. Head on over to what's up with that.com. Follow their alerts. They're very, very vocal there. You can see 44 minutes ago, five hours ago, nine hours ago, 13 hours ago, 17 hours ago, 21 hours ago, one day ago, one day. These guys are posting all the time on these topics. They claim to be the world's most viewed site on global warming and climate change. A couple books I'd recommend. This one helped wake me up from my stupor. Well, I was I'd become aware of uh, I'd become aware of weather modification, geoengineering, chemtrails, call it what you will, back in about 2010, 2011. And I you can see I purchased this book in 2013, The Chilling Stars, a new theory of climate, written by Henrik Svensmark and Nigel Calder. Nigel Calder, brilliant guy. I got a hell of a book written by Nigel Calder back in the 70s. Although I don't, I don't see it at the moment, but it's the weather machine. And you can get more, more factual information about the state of weather modification and the state of man's understanding of weather and climate back in the mid-1970s. You can learn more about weather and climate from a book written in the mid-1970s than you can from any textbook or corporate media source today. Another good one. This guy was on the Joe Rogan experience recently. Worth a while, worth a read. I'm going to probably pick up a copy of this. Unsettled. What climate science tells us, what it doesn't, and why it matters. I'm going to read you guys. Uh, I'll read you the summary of this one. Cause why not? Unsettled is a remarkable book. Probably the best book on climate change for the intelligent layperson that achieves the depth of conveying complex information clearly and in depth. Surging sea levels are inundating the coasts. Hurricanes and tornadoes are becoming fiercer and more frequent. Climate change will be an economic disaster. You've heard all this presented as fact, but according to science, all of these statements are profoundly misleading. When it comes to climate change, the media, politicians, and other prominent voices have declared that the science is settled. In reality, the long game of telephone from research to reports to to reports in the popular media is corrupted by misunderstanding and misinformation. Core questions about the way the climate is responding to our influence and what the impacts will be remain largely unanswered. The climate is changing, but the why and how aren't as clear as you've probably been led to believe. Now one of America's most distinguished scientists is clearing away the fog to explain what science really says and doesn't say about our changing climate. In Unsettled, what climate science tells us and what it doesn't and why it matters, Stephen Koonin draws upon his decades of experience, including as a top science advisor to the Obama administration, to provide up-to-date insights and expert perspective free from political agendas. Fascinating, clear-headed, and full of surprises, this book gives readers the tools to both understand the climate issue and be savvier consumers of science media in general. Koonin takes readers behind the headlines to the more nuanced science itself, showing us where it comes from and guiding us through the implications of the evidence. He dispels popular myths and unveils little-known truths. Despite a dramatic rise in greenhouse gas emissions, 
global temperatures actually decreased from 1940 to 1970. What's more, the models we use to predict the future aren't able to accurately describe the climate of the past, suggesting they are deeply flawed. Kunin also tackles society's response to the changing climate using data-driven analysis to explain why many proposed solutions would be ineffective and discussing how alternatives like adaptation and, if necessary, geoengineering. Uh-oh. See, he's pushing for climate control. Will ensure humanity continues to prosper. Unsettled is a reality check buoyed by hope, offering the truth about climate science that you don't that you aren't getting elsewhere what we know, what we don't, and what it all means for our future. So there you go. Worth a read. Of course, even a book like that, you got to read between the lines. You got to read between the lines, my friends. Why? Because this guy, Kunin, is saying, oh, we might need to geoengineer someday. Geoengineering, of course, is the literal intentional manipulation of Earth's climate. Okay, if humans have which we do have, humans have the technology. It's proven, it's historically proven. It's scientifically sound. It's fucking blatantly obvious if you look at the sky overhead and study it on the regular. Humans do have the technology to manipulate the weather and climate. Now, let's let's put our thinking caps on. If those technologies exist, which they do, would the people that are obsessed with power and profit, people that are willing to spend damn near a trillion dollars annually on the defense budget, people who will use lies and pseudoscience to try to convince the entire population of the planet to acquiesce to sketchy experimental injections, produced by similarly profit and power-driven big pharma pseudoscientific shills. If they had the capability to change the weather and climate, would they? Duh. Of course they would. And they do. And it's been going on for a very long time. So I hope, you know, part of the reason I focus on this is we have a increase in skepticism of pseudoscientific scientism as a result of the COVID pandemic, right? And we can take that healthy skepticism, that dose of reality, and apply it to other important issues affecting us all. And what's cool about, you know, the reason I focus on the, you know, the chemtrail issue, geoengineering issue, is because it's not just a ecological issue, it's also a human health issue. Whatever chemicals are being released in the atmosphere, whatever unnatural electromagnetic frequencies are being used to manipulate the weather. Those are also impacting our health, the health of our planet, the health of the animals out there, the health of anything that breathes or needs water to survive. You know, when I take my dogs out skiing, they like to eat the snow. So I focus on this issue because I want it. I want my dogs to be able to eat the snow without having to worry about what's in it. Another good read. I listened to a podcast with this guy recently on the Martin's Critical Review. Great, great uh, podcast by a Canadian guy. Green Murder by Ian Plimmer. If you haven't checked out uh, um, 
the Martin's critical review. It's a good, it's a good listen. Some of his guests get a little out there, but you know what? I, that that's where innovation happens is on the fringe, right? This Ian Plimmer, though, this guy's not out there at all. This guy is a scientist, geoscientist. It has never been shown that human emissions of the gas of life drive global warming. That's a good way to describe CO2, the gas of life. Large bodies of science that don't fit the narrative have been ignored by the IPCC, COP, and self-interested scientists paid by taxpayers. A huge subsidized industry of intermittent, unreliable wind and soil electricity has been created based on unsubstantiated science. The same hucksters now want subsidized hydrogen, costly, inefficient electric vehicles, subsidized mega batteries, and other horribly expensive tried and failed schemes to impoverish people, create unemployment, transfer wealth, and enrich China. Germany, Texas, California, and the UK had a glimpse of net zero with blackouts astronomically high electricity costs and hundreds of deaths we once had reliable cheap electricity and now that governments have gone green we are heading for hard economic times in this book i charge the greens with murder they murder humans who are kept in eternal poverty without cold-fired electricity they support slavery and early deaths of black child miners they murder forests and their wildlife by clear failing for mining and wind turbines. They murder forests and wildlife with their brush, bushfire policies. They murder economies producing unemployment, hopelessness, collapse of communities, disrupted social cohesion, and suicide. They murder free speech and freedoms, and their takeover of the education system has ended up in the murdering of the intellectual and economic future of young people. They terrify children into mental illness with their apocalyptic death cult lies and exaggerations. They try to divide a nation. They are hypocrites, and such angry, ignorant people should never touch other people's money. The Greens are guilty of murder. The sentence is life with no parole, in a cave, in the bush, enjoying the benefits of net zero. My, 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 Mr. Pilner, Ian Pilmer. Plimmer, excuse me, Ian Plimmer. Tell us how you really feel, Ian. Uh, yeah, that's a that should be an interesting read, huh? I'll probably pick up a copy of that one too. But I listened to a podcast with him and thought that his thoughts were worth sharing. You know, I'm not saying I agree wholehearted with everything Mr. Plimmer says, but uh, just goes to show how many different perspectives there are on important issues like the climate, like COVID like war and it's important that every voice is heard you know when you really think uh, when you really think about it it's utterly you know with covid it was utterly insane to shut down the global economy lock people in their homes force them to get masks and try to force them to get mandatory injections in response to a disease with like a point zero one, whatever it is, you know, we can we can talk statistics all day long. A very, 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 very low death rate. Just like it's insane to try to shut down the global economy, shut down the energy infrastructure, drive up the cost of everything through inflation for the purported reason of saving the planet. 
just like it's insane to, uh, you know, bomb for peace. Waging an endless global war of terror with the stated intent of, you know, protecting people from terrorism. Terrorism is the rule through fear, intimidation, violence, threats. Well, I'm pretty sure the corporate media and big government and big banks want us all to be fearful and terrorized at all times. Me, not so much. The programming has not worked on me, and I hope it hasn't worked on you either. Let's take a look at the local weather, shall we? Local weather, we were supposed to get a bunch of snow. We were supposed to get a bunch of snow over the last few days. I'm going to update this. This is the 10-day for elevation 7,179 feet right here over Alpine, Wyoming. You know, supposed to snow yesterday. Got a little bit, but it was supposed to snow a lot more. I went skiing with my buddy Andrew on, uh, let's see, today is Sunday. On Thursday, we went for a ski. And it was really just unusually warm. So we took the snowmobiles on a trailer down south of town to a place where we could go up a groomed trail up to about 8,500 feet because we were thinking it was going to be just sloppy soup down low. Well, we got up there and couldn't help but notice the sky was filled with chemtrails. I'll just say it, filled with lingering, spreading, billowing jet trails forming a high cirrus haze, okay? Anybody that pays attention knows those high cirrus hazes trap heat. And sure enough, the sun, you know, I didn't get a sunburn, but it was still so bright that I needed sunglasses despite all these high clouds. But the snow was getting utterly nuked by the IR. Snow, you know, snow is a fascinating thing. Water, we all know that water is really good at absorbing heat, right? Like when you put a pan on the stove, that water will absorb all the heat from the burner and boil. Water, great at absorbing heat. Snow, similarly, you know, snow is water, even though it's frozen. It's great at absorbing heat. But snow, as you know, snow is white, right? Water is such an amazing, such an amazing molecule you know Plimmer calls co2 the the gas of life but i think water would be a more apt uh apt choice for that anyway so snow reflects visible light right it's white you go out in the sun you go out in the snow and you can get blinded by all the light bouncing off of the snow because it's white so Snow does a great job of reflecting visible light, but it also is a perfect black body radiator, which means it absorbs heat like crazy. It absorbs heat. So when you have these high wispy cirrus hazes, what happens? The sun comes down, heats up the, the earth, you know, heats up the trees, the air, even the snow itself. Even though snow reflects a lot of the visible light, it absorbs a lot of the other ranges you know like the ir infrared and uh ultraviolet spectrum of electromagnetic radiation well the heat radiates back up into space and when you have that high wispy cloud layer it sends the heat right back down it acts like a blanket the heat bounces back and forth 
gets absorbed by the snow. So the snow, because of these high wispy cirrus clouds, utterly got nuked. We were up at you know nine ten thousand feet, and the snow was rotten to the ground. There's like three or four feet of snow. You could take your ski pole and stab it in through the slush all the way to the dirt. Not good. Anyway, that's uh, just my little recent experience with that. You know, I'm pretty sure some friends of mine died in an avalanche because of artificially induced cirrus cloud layers, which led me to write this article years ago. This one I wrote in uh, 20, uh, 2014. Oh, uh, yeah, a little more than eight years ago. And this one, you know, I took the a scandal at the time, Teton Gravity Research, local propagandists uh, were making fun of uh, Sean White, the uh, snowboarder. So I flipped it on him and uh, took, him, took him down a few pegs by shredding their... Uh, their organization, their narrative. You know, they're the founder of an organization called Protect Our Winters. Protect Our Winters just kind of plays into the greenwashing, CO2-centric climate change agenda completely. Ironically, in an attempt to secure the, what is the word? Secure the economic livelihood of ski town resort communities how ironic you know the pretty much the most you know of all the things humans do like war is obviously more wasteful but high-end luxury resort tourism in extreme mountain you know harsh winter conditions is one of the most wasteful <laughs> ways that humans just piss through resources right you got people flying in Staying at these huge hotels with heated sidewalks and shit out in uh, the mountains and running chairlifts and heli ski operations and all the rest of it. And these guys, they want to, you know, they want to buy carbon credits and bullshit like that in order to uh, save humanity. But uh, they overlook the obvious. They sure do. So I encourage you all to read this one. I think I'm going to do the next episode of the podcast. I think I'm going to just show this thing or read this article from the get-go. But for now, I'm going to play you guys my favorite song to round out the show today to enter. I'm going to play you guys my favorite song I've ever heard in my life. I've, this has been my favorite song since I was uh, since I was a kid. I'm going to see if I can get this full screen as we wind her out today and give you a look at what I'm talking about up in the sky. Because... Uh, the proof is in the pudding. Let's see if I can do this. Uh, you're going to lose my audio here for a second. Stay tuned.
Oh, yeah. Lightning Hopkins off his album, It's a Sin to Be Rich. I forget what that song is called exactly, but it is my favorite song. It's been my favorite song since I was 18, 19 years old. So I remember my, I found that album at the Winona Public Library where my mom was the children's librarian back then when I was just getting going in college. And uh, just goes to show how important libraries are. That album, you know, you can't find that album on Spotify or any place. It's kind of weird how that album just sort of disappeared. But I'm pretty sure it's Lightning and John Lee Hooker and one hell of an organ player on that track. Hopefully that doesn't get this video flagged for removal due to some copyright infringement bullshit. But we'll just see what happens. Since it's not available on Spotify. And I, you know, I posted that video to YouTube years and years and years ago now. Uh, hopefully it still stays up there. Thanks for tuning in. Mogfarts episode number eight in the can. You know, I was thinking about reading that whole TGR article, but uh, I think I'm going to update it. I'm going to reissue that one in an effort to take the healthy skepticism of scientism, the healthy awareness of scientific issues relating to human health, and take that awareness and shift it towards addressing the climate issue, which is also a weather modification issue, a geoengineering issue, a chemtrail issue, so on and so forth. Ah, the joy of modern existence. I'm going to go get some exercise, take the dogs for a ski, and I'm going to have a lovely day. I hope you do too. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Remember, mainstream media is specifically designed to distract us, divide us, deceive us, deter us from taking positive action, so on and so forth. You want to break free from that matrix of bullshit mind control. There's never been a better time. And if you want me to help you do it, you can help me out by subscribing to my work. 100 bucks a year. Realmaxmogren.substack.com. Give it a shot. I promise. The more, the more tangible support I can get, the more effort and time I'm going to put into it. The more books I'm going to buy, the more books I'm going to read the more information, the more informed I'm going to get, and in turn, the more informed you are going to get if you like listening to me share my thoughts with you. So thanks again. You have a great day. Take care. One love. And, of course, peace.